the church because Jesus loved the church and Jesus planted the church and Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, um, I read a book a little while ago and I um, the guy, one of his statements in his books was, was this, that we are so busy trying to build the church when Jesus said he will build the church, okay? And we're neglecting to do what Jesus told us to do. And what did Jesus tell us to do? Make disciples, okay? And so this morning as we reimagine the church, I want us to go back a little bit and I want us to look at what Jesus did. Okay, um, our, our motto is a church, and I'm part of this church, just not this one. I'm part of the, the one in Meadowridge, um, but I'm part of the church, okay? And I believe our motto is to continue the work of Jesus. Whether here in uh, Musenberg or in Meadowridge or wherever we find ourselves, in Tanzania, who was from Zambia? Okay, from Zambia, it doesn't matter where we're from, okay? I spoke to somebody from the UK. May we continue the work of Jesus because that's the only thing that's going to count at the end of the day, okay? And as we look and we say, what it should the church be looking like? I think we've got to go back and say, what did Jesus do and how can I better do that? Uh, um, I, I just realized that we as a church, uh, John, Jesus' disciple, made this statement. He said, whoever says he is in uh, Christ or whoever, and I'm reading it out of the ESV, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Okay, the NIV says this, if we claim to be in him, we must do what Jesus did. If we are going to truly reimagine the church, we've got to ask ourselves, how do we do what Jesus did? Now, the reality is this, that we as a church are so busy trying to uh, focus purely, focus on Jesus purely as the means of our salvation. Okay, We love Jesus for give me salvation. And we speak about Jesus. You need to turn from your sin. You need to accept Jesus as your Savior. And as soon as we've accepted Jesus as our means of salvation, so often we leave Jesus and we go to Paul. And now Paul becomes our model. Paul becomes the archetype of what we should be doing. Yet Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, imitate Christ. If you read the Gospels through the lens of Paul following Jesus, um, you start seeing it through a whole new light. Everything that Paul says points back to Jesus. And so I want to encourage us this morning, when we talk about Jesus as our means, we, we're really talking about becoming a disciple. And a lot of us want Jesus to become a disciple. Some of us want to take it a little bit further and say, well, you know, I will be a disciple like Jesus. And in, in this we're talking about I'm going to measure my life on the life of Jesus, in how he behaved, in how he carried himself. I'm going to look to Jesus for my character, 
Are you, are you following me here? And I'm going to align my life after the things uh, or the, the, the character of Jesus. He was humble. He was a servant. I'm going to be like that. I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to be kind. Because Jesus was that. That when it comes to doing disciple making, and that's the third area, making disciples, we default again to Paul. I want to say to you this morning that Jesus cannot just be our means, he cannot just be our measure, but he needs to be our model. He needs to be our model for life, for everyday life. And that as we think about church, we've got to be asking ourselves the question, what did Jesus do? What must I do? Are you, are you with me here? To make sure you do not fall asleep now. Okay? I want you to, in groups of three, I love this. We can move, okay? Scary church. But in groups of three, I want you to answer the question. If Jesus was here today and we were following Jesus, how would he do church? Are you, are you with me? How would he do church? How much of what we say and do today as church is what Jesus would do? And how much wouldn't he focus on? Are you, are you understanding my question? If Jesus was your pastor today, how would he reimagine church? What would he keep and what would he say, you know, we're not going to do that anymore. You're placing so much attention on that. Get it. Turn to somebody next to you, talk about it. If Jesus was your pastor, okay, and he would be way better looking than Brad, he would be way better looking than Howard. Okay, one more minute. What would he do the same? What would he do differently?
Okay, can I bring your attention back? Let's have some feedback. Okay? I want to know firstly what he would do differently. And then we'll talk about what he would do the same, okay? What would Jesus do differently? We focus a lot of attention in different areas in church. How would Jesus potentially do it differently? Anybody want to launch at it? Oh, you're scared, eh? He wouldn't be sitting here. Okay, okay. Do you want to build on that? Okay, okay. Sure. Radical. Okay. Yes. Oh, he wouldn't be sitting here. And I'll tell you now, he wouldn't be sitting in pews. Okay. Um, he, he would possibly be sitting down at a coffee shop, uh, connecting with his people and maybe broader than his people. Somebody else. Yes, sir. Okay, Jesus says he only does what he sees the Father doing. And in essence, we should be hearing what the Father says and doing that. Okay, also discuss that. That's excellent. Somebody else? Yes. Okay, Jesus, everybody hear that? Yes, yes. Okay, good, excellent. Somebody else? Alistair. Amen. Okay. <laughs> okay, excellent, love it. Everybody hear that? Okay, say it louder. Just stand up. And it's amazing that that's what happened with Jesus. The early church, we read that daily they met in each other's homes, okay, breaking bread, and they met in Solomon's colonnade. So we're not saying that the gathering every Sunday is wrong. They did do that, okay? Uh, Struan, Struan. Do you want to just stand up? It travels further. Okay. He said, I am the church, and he was building the church. And so he established, yes, you can definitely see Jesus building a cultural community that would be launched as the church. He didn't do church, if I, I can 
venture an answer without getting my neck chopped or my head chopped off, okay? But if I can venture an answer, he didn't do church like this, and he, he wouldn't have labeled church like this. His church was so much bigger. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, no, keep quiet. <laughs> Jokes, Howard. And then I'm coming to you. Um, what is your name again? Beth. Beth, you next up there. So what I see in your model is uh, gathering in a particular place, and then you Okay, I, I would have loved you to carry that on because that's not only what he did. Okay, good. So he does, he does invest into the masses, but let's build that. Then he identifies the 70. Then he prioritizes the 12, and he really goes deep with the three, and he mobilizes a movement of disciple makers. Okay? And we'd love to go cast wide to the crowds, narrow down and go deep, so that we have a movement of influence that comes out of a teaching. And he teaches at each of those levels. So it wasn't just teaching for the crowds. Um, Beth, and then we're going to have one last person, uh, my brother from Tanzania, Beth. Sorry, can you speak English? Amen. There wasn't the word pastor. Okay? The, the Bible has that word once, and we've translated it pastor. Okay? And there are many pastors. Okay? Shepherds. Okay? Carers. And so we have created a title for that rather than somebody who equips and mobilizes. Okay? And I love our church because I really think we get, get some of that right, that we, we see this as an, an equipping platform. I love that motto. It's not about Sunday. Okay? Johnson, last one. Stand up, please, brother. <clears throat> Okay, excellent. I mean, a lot of ideas, and, and I'm wanting to ask you that as you continue this journey, make sure that you are thinking, what did Jesus do? What does that mean for us? Okay? Uh, a preacher out of the U.S. makes a statement that if, if you had to bring an alien into the world today and he had to read the Gospels and then he had to, to say, well, where do I see this practiced? And we said, well, come to my church. He'd come into our church and he'd go, 
I don't see much similarity. If we're reimagining church, we've got to go back to the source, okay? Please, don't go to Willow Creek. Don't go to Saddleback. Don't go to Holy Trinity Brompton or the Alpha Course. Or the, those are all people that have applied it in their context. We've got to be asking, what does it look like here? What did Jesus do here and what should we be doing here? Are you getting it? Now for me, I, I just, I really believe that there are two things Jesus would drive home. Okay? The great commandment and the great commission. And this morning I want to speak on the great commission. Okay? Focusing primarily on that. Because that's how we've got to reimagine church. And that means, as Beth said, all of us are involved. Because if you're not involved, you're going to stand before the Lord one day and He's going to say to you, what did you do? And, and because there is a being, okay? I want to be a disciple of Jesus. But there's also doing. And, and I think that as we look at those three points here, people are happy with Jesus as a means. I'll take number one. Thank you. I just want to get into heaven. Others will say, well, it's not good enough. Just number one. I'll take number one and number two. Okay? That I think that the gospel and the church is about being one, two, and three. Saved, becoming like, and then doing like. Are we understanding this? Okay? The great commandment is, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Wow. We could speak forever just on that one. Okay? But I want to talk about the doing. Okay? Doing speaks about go and make disciples. And for us to do this, I want to take you on a journey of of Jesus taking these men that he had walked with and helping them become disciple makers. When he had finished and he said in John 17, Father, I've completed the work. What was completing that work? He hadn't even got to the cross yet. He had completed the work of raising up a workforce that would go and change the world. And you and I have got to continue that work. Okay? And so to do that, I want to take us on a journey. I want to use uh, five different challenges that Jesus makes to help his men and the women that were following Jesus become disciple makers. And as I go through these five different challenges, uh, I'm going to illustrate them through five chairs. Okay, you can see them over here. It's not when I was getting tired, I could have a nice sit down. Okay, Um I'm going to illustrate it through five chairs. I want you, as I preach or speak through this, to kind of identify what chair am I on. And I want you to understand that God doesn't want you to stay on chair one or chair two because we're on a journey towards chair five, lifestyle. And this chair five style, five style, that didn't work. This chair is where I live a lifestyle of making disciples. That's who I am. Are you getting this? That as I go into my school, it's 
what I think, what I breathe. It's, it's when I'm sitting next to somebody in a coffee shop, I'm not just seeing them as a target of they need Jesus. I'm seeing them as somebody that needs to become a chair five person. Okay? And so I am processing in my mind, how do I actually not just help them become a disciple and be a disciple, but how do I get them to a point of making disciples? Are you following this? Okay? So I'm going to take us on a journey this morning. And it's, it's not a John journey. It's a Jesus journey. I love it. I love studying the life of Jesus. Let's go back right to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, okay? If you've got your Bibles, you can open it to John chapter 1, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We see Jesus' first encounter with these disciples. Um, when was Jesus' first encounter with the disciples? Not John, I mean, I've said it's John chapter 1, but when I say Jesus' first encounter, what verse do you think of? Sorry? When he says, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Do we all remember that? Okay. How it says we don't do um, chapter and verse headings. I'm glad we don't do it because I really think that the guys that put it together got it wrong. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, 19, 20, it says Jesus calls his first disciples. Okay, in this passage where we read in, if you read in John chapter uh, 4 verse 35, it says John's disciples follow Jesus. Some Bibles say Jesus calls his first disciples. Now John is 18 to 21 months earlier to the Matthew, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Are you with me? Okay. So when I read this, don't be thinking in yourself, ah, oh, that's the same. It's not. Jesus has just come out of the wilderness, 40 days in the wilderness, okay? He's returned back to John. He was baptized 40 days earlier. He's returned back to John. Now we pick up here in verse 29. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Okay? John's got this group of followers. Things have started happening again. For 400 years, it's been silent. There hasn't been a prophet. There hasn't been prophecy. There have been a whole lot of people that have stood up and said, well, I'm a voice of God, but we don't have any record of them. Now John comes, and the guys are going, this is real. Is this actually the Messiah? They come down to John, and John points to Jesus and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I mean, here's, here's an opportunity for them to jump in and join the journey that God wants to take them on. But nobody follows Jesus on that first day. And you can read it when you go home. Let's skip forward to John chapter 1, verse 35. Okay? Verse 35 in John 1. The next day, and this is where we pick up on the screen. Jesus was, I mean, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. To, um, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? 
They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. What's the challenge out of that passage? Come and see, okay? And so Jesus is calling them into this journey of becoming a disciple maker. And his first step is come and see. The Bible, if you carry on reading there, it says that they go and they spend the rest of the day with Jesus. It was about four in the afternoon. I'm guessing they spend only like three, four hours with him. Okay? Something happens during that time that, and we're going to read the next challenge, okay? Uh, something happens during that time which moves them on. Um, we read Jesus' next challenge in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. It says, Jesus went into Galilee, and I'm skipping a bit forward if you're following the chronology, but we'll come back to John, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What's the challenge? Repent and believe. Okay? Chair one challenge. What was it? Come and see. Chair two challenge. Repent and believe. This is how we become. Okay? People need to explore by seeing. People need to be explored by me entering into their world. Okay? I cannot make a disciple. I cannot fulfill chair five lifestyle unless I've entered somebody's world. And Jesus invites them to come into his world. They go and they hang out at a campfire. Who knows what a bivy is? You know what a bivy is. Put up your hands if you do, please, because my kids said to me after last Sunday, Dad, what was a bivy? Okay, <laughs> a bivy, you make a bivy. It's like a, a, a makeshift tent. You've got a, a sheet and you just put it over a string between two, two trees and it hangs over and you climb under it. You don't need a proper tent. I kind of think Jesus had made a bivy next to a campfire down at John and he says to the guys, come and hang out with me. They go back to the campfire and they sit and they chat. And they, they um, ask him questions. I mean, what are they saying to Jesus? Tell me, Jesus, why did John say the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? And we see throughout the Gospels, what does Jesus do with the question? Hello, don't fall asleep on me. We've got until 12, eh? One. Awesome. <laughs> what time do we finish? Just so that I'm not abusing you. No, that's from your perspective. Help me here. What time do we finish? <laughs> like quarter past? What time do we finish? Quarter past. Okay. So we've got to start moving it on. Okay. Um, they hang out with Jesus. What does Jesus do with the question? He normally throws it back and asks another question of them, okay? And so Jesus, I'm guessing they say to him, why did, they, why did John say you're the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? And Jesus throws it back and says, well, what do we know about the Lamb of God? And they start throwing at him Old Testament passages. And Jesus starts going, yeah, I was born in Bethlehem. I bet he'd go into Egypt. Yeah, you remember when Herod, da-da-da-da-da-da. I went to Egypt as a baby. 
that he is going to grow up in Nazareth. And they'd call him a Nazarite. Well, and it all comes together. And the next thing that happens is that Andrew goes and he finds his brother Peter and he says, we found the one. We have found the Messiah. You see, there was a belief. Okay? And so Andrew comes and sees, but Andrew straight away moves into chair two and he believes in Jesus. He goes and finds his brother Peter and he says, hey, we found the Messiah. Are you following me on this journey? Chair one is, come and see. Chair two is, repent and believe. Okay? Some of you are maybe sitting here this morning, you're sitting in chair one because, hey, I just want to see this thing. Somebody invited me to church, and then I had to go and look at this strange guy preaching, okay? Um, sorry. You see, you're exploring, okay? And I, I, that's a great place to be, but don't stay there. There are so many people that have explored Jesus in chair one, and they've missed the Messiah. I came to my own, Jesus says, but my own did not accept me. I mean, when I study Jesus' life, I'm blown away. How can you not see? This guy's raising the dead. This guy's doing everything that the Old Testament said the Messiah would do. Giving sight to the blind. I, I'm, I, we could talk about this forever. The fulfillment of him being the Messiah. And they missed it. They never repented and believed. But the beautiful thing is that some did. Let's move to the next, um, next challenge, verse 44. Okay? It says the next day. You see, we've gone day one, day two. We're going into day three now. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. What's the next challenge? Follow me. Okay? Simple one. Uh, you're doing well, man. I am so impressed. Okay? Follow me. Next challenge moves into chair three. How much time did come and see require of them? What? Sorry? Three hours. Not a huge challenge, okay? Even repent and believe. I mean, I have seen so many people repent and believe. I repented and believed stacks when I was a young guy because I was scared of hell, okay? It was easy. I need Jesus in my life. Walk up to the front, respond to Jesus, and said, oh, I'm out of hell now, I'm in heaven. Anybody witness? Nobody witnesses. Okay, you do. It's, it's, it's an easy step. But at this level now, Jesus is leaving the bottom of the Jordan River. He's going all the way back up to Galilee. If you go to the beginning of chapter uh, 2, it says, on the third day. So all of a sudden... Philip knows this is going to mean a sacrifice of at least three days. And it says on the third day, Jesus is at a wedding with his disciples. You see, when he moved into chair three, he had to change his plans. It wasn't just about a three hour hanging out and asking some questions, but actually I'm going to realign my life now. I'm going to fit into Jesus' agenda. And over this period, he starts transferring character and priorities of the kingdom. 
I mean, awesome character and priorities just being poured into these guys' lives. But they go to a wedding and they see. I mean, you can just track it right at the end of the wedding and the, the wine. It says there, and the disciples saw this and they believed in him. They were now on a journey of growing in belief, okay? Growing in fruit. Over here, no fruit, okay? Now they start doing some stuff for Jesus, and that's another sermon for another day, okay? But they start going forward in this journey. They will, with Jesus, they will go up to the temple, and you can see it. Uh, in John, end of John 2, okay? They go up to the temple, first temple cleansing. They're watching Jesus, character and priorities. You remember it, okay? Character and priorities. He's transferring it to them. These are good Jewish boys who have been brought up in a, a church, excuse it, church culture, and they need it to be realigned. They need to reimagine what it could be, and Jesus has got to change that whole concept. I'm guessing when he clears out that temple, these guys are standing in the back. They're kind of merging into the crowd and going, what have we committed to here? (laughs) Then they watch Nicodemus come, John 3, at night. Then they go and they baptize him with Jesus. In fact, they baptize him more than Jesus is. And Jesus' popularity is growing. and, And Jesus going, this is not about my popularity. And so he moves away from Judah, and he heads back up to uh, Galilee, but he goes through Samaria. John chapter 4, he meets a Samaritan woman, okay? Luke chapter 4, he gets rejected in uh, Nazareth. He'll move down. All of these things, character and priorities are being transferred. I mean, just take one example of what it meant to, to realign their world. They go through Samaria, okay? They, they, they get hungry, and Jesus sends them off to get some food. They come back, and who's Jesus speaking to at a well in Sychar? Help me here. The Samaritan woman, okay? Now, Jewish men would pray a prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not a Gentile, okay? A woman or a dog. Terrible. And yeah, he's talking to a Gentile, a woman. There wasn't a dog there, we don't think. But are you you understanding of how he's realigning what this new kingdom's going to look like? And he doesn't stop realigning character and priorities. It carries on as they move into the next chair. He'll talk about unity. He'll talk about... Um, Matthew 18, we talk about church conflict and how to, I mean, how do we do church discipline? No, Jesus is saying, how do we reinstate, how do we restore somebody who's sinned within the church? And I mean, chair three, character and priorities. We move into chair four because we're running out of time. Um, and here's where we come to that Matthew passage, but I'm picking up on the Mark one. Mark 1, 16 to 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother. Are you hearing now that he knows Simon already? 
This isn't abracadabra kind of eyes always going, I can't do disciple making like Jesus. I mean, I, I've tried it a few times. Come follow me. And the guy's, <laughs> no, I haven't. I, do you remember reading again? Oh, Jesus was so powerful. No, he's been journeying with these guys for 18 to 21 months. And he says to them, what's the challenge here? Come follow me. And the other translations say, and I will make you into a fisher of men. Okay? And so they move into chair four, where Jesus starts equipping them for the task. You know, in chair one, chair two, chair three, Jesus is doing most of the work. We have very few examples of them engaging, other than in, in John, end of John 3, uh, beginning of John 4, they are baptizing. But other than that, we don't know of them doing much. Now Jesus starts engaging them. The people are hungry. Feed them. And Jesus appoints 12 and he sends them. He brings them back in. He retools them. Then he sends them again. He goes out with them. He goes and does ministry with them. And Jesus is equipping them so that ultimately they can move into chair five. And what is chair five? I love chair five. And we all know this passage, John chapter 15. Um, if you've got your Bibles, you can open with me. But John 15 verse 16, such a powerful verse. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my commandment. Love each other. Are, are you hearing this? These guys in their minds, they're going, you know, Philip's going, oh, we went to, who did we go to? Right in John chapter 1, Nathaniel, you remember that? Nathaniel's possibly there, and Jesus is going, hey, Nathaniel, you remember when you were sitting under the tree? You didn't choose me, I chose you. I chose you so that you will go and bear Fruit, much fruit, fruit that will last. No fruit, some fruit, more fruit. Now he's hitting, and read through John 15. He's hitting much fruit. I want you to bear much fruit. What does bearing much fruit mean? Go and make disciples. Jesus will give them the Great Commission five times. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and in Acts. And you will receive power when the Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. But don't just see that. It's not just about witness that come and see, repent, and believe. Because we've got to see it in light of Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. Teaching them to obey everything I've taught you. What have I taught you? Go and make disciples. Teaching them to obey, to Go and make disciples. Are you, are you following me here? And that's God's mission for us. That we'll live in this chair. That every action of every day will be around how do I love God, love people, and make disciples. 
And you know what we've done when it comes to church? We've got comfortable with character and priorities. This chair is actually not comfortable. In fact, we've even put a reserve sign on it. You know, I've walked into some churches and I've sat into a chair and I've had people come past and look at me. What you sitting in my chair for? That's my chair. They're more concerned about their chair than the fact that there might be a, somebody sitting in their chair that's come to see. Are you, are you getting this? Uh, seriously, this chair is uncomfortable. It needs a cushion. And in fact, we get irritated with our churches. We want them to put a lazy boy in so that we can even lie back because that's what church is about. It's quarter past. That's not what church is about. Church is about making disciples. Where are you sitting? And, and I'll tell you that this chair, you'll know if you're sitting here whether you can count to the fourth generation of your disciples. I've made a disciple of Matthew. Matthew's made a disciple of Johnson. That's the third generation. Sorry, second generation. Johnson's made a disciple of Jean. And Jean has made a disciple of, we hope, in Howard. Are you getting this? That's to the fourth generation. Are you a chair for disciple maker? I'm not asking are you a discipler. I'm asking are you a disciple maker? Because that's how we change the world. If I was a good preacher, which we all now know isn't the case, okay? If I was a good preacher and a thousand people came to know Jesus through my preaching every day, how many people... I mean, how many years would it take me to reach the world? For the mathematicians, 16,500 years. Not going to live that long, please, Lord. If I'm a good disciple maker, and I make a disciple of Matthew, okay? And I make a disciple maker of Matthew, that by the end of the first year, Matthew and I make a disciple each in my second year. Matthew, make a disciple. Okay, but make a disciple who makes a disciple. Don't just make a disciple, okay? Because by the end of this year, that disciple is going to make another disciple, and you and I are going to find another. So make a disciple. Irene. Uh, you're not making a disciple. You see, he's gone back to chair three. Stand up, Matthew. I said make a disciple, Matthew. Irene, I'm investing in you. I need you to make a disciple. Okay? Are you ready to make a disciple? I'm going to release you to make a disciple. Who said you're making one disciple? Make disciples, plural. Go and make disciples. Come, Johnson. Yes, Matthew, I've been a bad disciple maker. Come here, Matthew. 
Come learn here next to, next to Johnson. This, this is my two-year-old disciple maker, but he's gone back to chair three, okay? He's happy to sit there. Understand, keep making disciples. I'm going to teach you to make disciples, okay? Okay? You're going to journey with me this year. We're going to, I mean, I, I've helped you come and see. I've helped you repent and believe. I'm going to transfer character and priorities. Now I'm equipping you. Are you ready to make disciples? You understand now? Okay? You're not going to sit down again. You sure? Okay, let's go make disciples. Tom, Irene, how's your disciple making going? Yes, we start in. Yes, Matthew. No, no, Matthew. No, Matthew, not the crowd. Just invest in one, Matthew. Just in one, Matthew. Okay, this is not working. Sit down. <laughs> if I can make a disciple who makes a disciple, and Matthew, you were nearly a good disciple maker, that in year two, we both started discipling somebody in year three, four of us started discipling somebody in year four, eight of us, it would take 32 years to reach 8 billion people, and I will only have discipled 32 people. A pastor would be fired from his church, but I've made 32 disciple makers. Where are you sitting? How do you move to the next chair? Well, if you had come and see, you need to find somebody to tell you how to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Okay? Come in and see and see and see and say, I love it. Mahatma Gandhi said, I love your Jesus. Okay? But he never responded to him. I'm going, that's not going to help him. Okay? There has to be a repent and believe. If you have repented and believed, you need to find somebody to transfer character and priorities. And Howard said he loves preaching to the crowd. So, go to Howard, okay? No. Find somebody who will sit with you in their home and will do life with you and transfer character and priorities. That there's some of us sitting here, you've been sitting here way too long. And you actually have a reserve sign on your seat. Find somebody to equip you. Okay? To become a disciple maker. Matthew, I'm sorry, I was a bad equipper. Okay? Find somebody who will journey with you. But eventually you can sit here. Jesus, thank you for the model you've set for us. Thank you for your church. Thank you that you said you'd build your church and that we are to make disciples. Forgive us for worrying so much about building the church and neglecting to make disciples. Help us, Jesus, not just become disciples. Help us, Jesus... Not just be disciples, but help us make disciples. Amen.